What's up, then, listeners? Welcome to another episode of the Midge and the Keg NFL podcast. Host as usual, Billy. Alongside me, Jimbo. Hello, everyone. Where's it going? And also joining us today, we have Brad Ward for our Cleveland episode for today. What's happening, guys? Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for the invite. No problem at all, Brad. No problem at all. Glad you can be with us. So what we'll do, we'll let you introduce yourself in terms of, you know, for your socials and what you what you do um, uh, on your podcast channels and content, etc. So uh, I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, of course. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, I write uh, covering the Browns uh, over at USA Today Sports Media Group's thebrownswire.com. And uh, I also host uh, a uh, show called All Eyes on Cleveland, um, where we just uh, interview the uh, the best guests I can get to, to talk about the pressing issues, you know, facing the Browns and and you can uh, follow that on YouTube or subscribe uh, where all popular podcasts are found. Awesome. Good, good stuff. Yeah. That's so we'll tag you all after the episode. When we edit everything, I'll definitely take tags all your socials and everything in there for you. So everyone can give Brad a follow up on all the Cleveland news there. So guys, we'll, we'll jump we'll jump right to it. So, so reviewing Cleveland season this year. Now, you know, I, I don't suppose you have to be a Cleveland Browns fan to know the troubles the team's had for, for say, quite a few years, obviously, with mainly quarterback <laughs> issues. And as you, I'm sure you well know, Brad, um, I, I don't want to, like, repeat bad, bad times for you. But some good news. Like, you finally, you went 11-5 this year. You've won a playoff game for the first time in over 20 years. I mean, that must feel good for you. You know, you're cupping a recap off. You guys done great offensively. Uh, I think you were ranked third in the league uh, in total in the end. Got you got some good weapons on that offense, and you end up effectively beating your biggest rivals in the playoffs. I mean, I know we'd love to do that, so yeah. that must feel very, very good as a Browns fan. How do, how do you think uh, the season went there then for that one? Uh, well, I mean, season was. Uh, um, I mean, you never could have expected this, really, with the uh, the pandemic, and uh, of course you know, the truncated off season, a new head coach coming in, you know, kind of felt they were up against it, you know, not really having a chance for a coach to get with his players, even really, you know, doing it like we're doing right now is how he met his players initially and, and how they really installed the offense. Uh, luckily they're younger guys and, and some of the guys in the Browns organization are pretty tech savvy, you know, Andrew Barry's the youngest GM in the league and, They've got some Harvard guys in there and they were able to actually, you know, uh, install most of the stuff over Zoom and and uh, do a lot of that. And, you know, they came out week one and they got jumped off the bus. You know, they got they got beat down pretty good and, and to be kind of expected. But the thing that was refreshing is, you know, we started to get a sense of Kevin Stefanski and, you know, he just got coach of the year. But. Uh, of who he is, is he didn't panic and he didn't, you know, change everything. He just kind of said, all right, that one's there. Let's learn from it. And then let's go one and oh this week. And that's kind of been his thing all, all season long. And, and they never lost two games in a row all season long. Um, and uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Really an incredible coaching job, just incredible for them to bounce back from that, then get, 
slumped by uh, the Ravens the first time they play then, and they bounce back. And then late in the season to take the Ravens, you know, to to the limit in that classic game where Lamar comes out of the locker room and uh, and then beat the Steelers twice in a row, uh, once without Ben and then with Ben in the uh, playoff game it was just kind of coming full circle from week one all the way to the end. I mean, tremendous. You couldn't have never uh, really written it much better than that for Browns fans. Pretty glorious season and I think the arrows pointed up you know the offense is all coming back pretty much um they got to make some decisions on extensions as far as like Baker and Chubb and and some guys like that but you know OBJ is rehabbing and we'll see what happens with all that but you know as far as uh the where the team is headed and how you feel after the season I think it's all good I think you'll see a lot of new faces on the defense side of the ball you know Andrew Barry really attacked uh, the offensive side of the ball in free agency last year, and it showed this year. Uh, Baker got comfortable with Stefanski, got comfortable in the offense, and you saw it take off towards the end of the year uh, where they weren't just a running team anymore, and all of a sudden now he was thrown for 300 yards a game and a couple touchdowns. So I really think, uh, you know, if Baker performs at that level, you know, the offense can be really, really good. I mean, that's just one offseason, you know, this is the first time in forever as Browns fans, we can go into an off season with some continuity. You know, the coach is coming back, the GM's coming back, everybody feels good. So, you know, he can take that offense and they can build on it. And that's something that hasn't been there in the past. It's always been like scramble mode at the end of the season. Right. So, and it's not like that this year. So that just feels good initially there, especially the way the season ended, you know, they, they played the chiefs as close as they could, you know, check, <laughs> It was a weird game with Henny coming in and everything and and ultimately ended up probably affecting Mahomes in the end because he hurt his toe in that game and it, it surely affected him in the Super Bowl. But you'd like to think uh, that, you know, they they pushed themselves as far as they could get with this team. Now you make the adjustments and see where you can go next year and, and uh, certainly made it far a lot farther than I expected this year. But uh, happy to be reporting that things are a-OK in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it was really promising for you just to just to get that playoff win, get that sort of off your back. And I think that really helps you going into next season. Obviously, there's, no, there's a lot less pressure on Mayfield now. You know, it looks like it's going to be a lot better for you going into next season with that strong offensive line. I mean, if we just touch upon the cap, I don't know if, if you've got the um, screen there, Bill. Can you just bring that? So there's currently, um, you've currently got about 21 million cap going into next season, which isn't a bad position considering uh, the NFL, the cap changes next year with it sort of projected to drop to about 175 million, the yeah. cap from 200 this year. Obviously, and one name there I want to just ask you about, Odell Beckham Jr. there, 15.7 million. None of it's guaranteed. Obviously, he had a lot of time injured this year. I mean, do you think it's a guy you want to keep hold of? Or obviously, he's, he's electric when he, you know, when he plays. Uh, it's quite a big... yeah. So the Odell Beckham Jr. Is a, is a weird situation. Um, I, I mean, to cut you off there, but the Odell Beckham is a weird situation. With his injury, his his uh, $12.5 million of his, I don't know if it reflects it on this figure here, but $12.5 million of his contract is now guaranteed for 2021 right. due to the injury clause in his contract. So he's not like, so there is 12 and a half dead cap on his contract this year. Right. So that kind of changes things, right? 
So the way I look yeah. at it is, you know, if they bring him back for another year, that's great. If you get a trade offer, like I'm not willing, like I saw how good the offense performed without him. Right. And mm. I think that the pressure, not to his fault, it's not OBJ's fault at all. If they bring him back, I'm totally fine with that. And let's see how it works out. Right. But Baker was a different guy when he was not there. And, mm. you know, a lot of people want to point and say, oh, that's just because he, you know, he, he learned the offense better. And that's kind of what the GM was framing it as. I think that the pressure that Odell brings upon a quarterback is, and Baker is a real thing. And, and I don't think that's fabricated. I think it's real. Like I feel it at home. Like if, o, if yeah. Odell doesn't get the ball for two series, I'm getting fidgety in my chair. Right. You're kind of like, come on, get him some touches. Right. You want to <laughs> keep the guy happy. And that's just the way it is. Um, and that's not what Baker does. He's kind of a point guard. He spreads it around. Right. And yeah. And when he struggled, he forced it to him. Now, is it possible that in his maturity this year, he got over that and Odell comes back after rehab and everything takes off. That's very possible. Right. And, and it looks great with him and Landry. So I'm not ruling that out, but I also would, if I'm Andrew Barry, I would answer the phone and listen to any offers anybody has for him. If somebody wants to come along and offer me a second round pick, I might consider that. Uh, I don't know if that, you know, his value is, is, is not great at this point. Right. But one thing we do know about him and I don't question about him is that he is such a hard worker. He will rehab it. I think he will recover from the injury for sure. I don't question that. I think he'll come back a hundred percent. I just, um, Long-term, as you guys were kind of alluding to this year, I think in 2022, I think it makes a lot of sense to, you know, thanks for your services. Yeah, move on. We're going to take that $15 million and use it elsewhere. Because really, they need to look at, you know, as I mentioned already, Baker, Chubb, but then Wyatt Teller, mm. uh, who was, you know, probably the best guard in the league this year, um, and, uh, you know, PFF numbers, et cetera. And then... You know, it, of course, Denzel Ward is going to need an extension as your as your lockdown corner. So you've got a lot of guys you got to pay, and then that offensive line starts. Guys on the offensive line start popping up in the next couple of years too, and you want to take care of those guys because they were by far the best offensive line in the league. You know, uh, combined pass and run block this year. So you want to keep that group together. So I think that money could probably be spent uh, better elsewhere in 2022. Whether they get the value in the trade this offseason, we'll, we'll see. But I would consider a second-round pick. I don't think I would go any lower than that. Like you say, the, obviously I didn't, under, I didn't know about the, uh, the guaranteed money with the injury clause there. But obviously with the, with the dead cap, you're not going to cut him really with a 12.5 million dead yeah. cap. So like you say, I think if you get the second-round pick in a trade, you know, you've got to answer the phone and see see what gets offered about. Whether he gets that with his injury last year, probably, you know, might be struggling. But, I mean, yeah, probably is there not. any other sort of names there that you sort of see as like a restructure sort of deal to sort of increase your cap space? Or uh, I mean, you could look at, like, a lot of people have mentioned Sheldon Richardson as a potential restructure. But, I mean, he's performed pretty well. I don't think he would really be open to that. Mm. And I'm not ready to part ways with him. So, I'm just going to leave that alone, I think. Uh, they have 17 free agents. I'm doing a, a thing right now where I go through every single one and do a piece on them and then a follow-up video on them. So, so far we've done, you know, Higgins, 
who I certainly think they should bring back. Um, and, and he's a free agent. I think he wants to stay too. He gave him a hometown discount last year to come back at like the vet men um, when he got offered a little more elsewhere. So we're hoping that he sticks around. He has a really good relationship with Baker, obviously. But the other guys that you're looking at are, uh, you know, your BJ Goodson's, your Carl Joseph's, Terrence Mitchell, all those. These are all the guys right here, right? So, um, you know, there's very few actually that I want to bring back, to be honest. Um, You know, we're going to do one. I think BJ Goodson is worth trying to bring back, depending on what the market is for, you know, linebackers. He performed pretty well given uh, the first time in his career to play that, you know, over 75% of the snaps. Usually he's around like 50% when he's been with some other teams. And, and uh, this, this year, as you see there, he played, played uh, almost 80% of the snaps and was, was pretty good actually. So I think you want to keep him around Malcolm Smith. I wouldn't mind keeping around the rest of these guys, you know, uh, Cody Parkey is a kicker. I mean, that's up to, the big ones you want to make a decision on are like Ogan Joby, right? He's a guy that's on his rookie deer, fourth year deal. Somebody's going to pay him a good amount of money. And I don't think it'll be the Browns. I think the Browns are going to let him walk. Uh, at least I would for sure. Uh, his best year was his rookie year. He's flashed great athleticism and he'll, he'll do a great job for somebody, but the consistency isn't there. And the Browns have uh, Andrew Billings who opted out. Uh, of the season uh, that they signed for $3.5 million from the Bengals, who is a much better player and much more suited to play that one tech. Uh, Browns are kind of stuck there. They kind of got two, three tech guys there with Ogan Joby and uh, Richardson. It makes a lot more Smith, uh, a lot more sense to, you know, in the four, three, bring in uh, their opt out guy at $3.5 million, let Ogan Joby walk instead of paying him, five, six million dollars a year, whatever he's going to require. I mean, Spot Track had him at $9.6 million uh, for his market. And I think that's way overblown. I don't think that'll be correct. I, I actually suspected it'd probably be more like three to five. Uh, but I do think that uh, Andrew Billings is a better player. Plus they have their rookie uh, that they drafted. Whose name always escapes me. Uh, uh, Jordan Elliott, uh, who does a good job there, who they'll bring in and is a natural fit right in his position on a rookie contract. So I think they save the money there, let him walk. The other tough decisions will be like Kaderil Hodge. I, I, I'm not really concerned. I like Kaderil Hodge a lot. Great blocker, good glue guy for the team. But if he walks, I'm not going to panic or anything. The main ones that we're looking at here really want trying to big back. I would love to bring back Carl Joseph. I don't know if that's realistic or not. Terrence Mitchell is key. I think just because of his availability, like he's a backup. A lot of people, he's a backup corner in, on the outside in the NFL, but he for the last two years has been available and, and played almost starters downs because one week or the other, Greedy Williams or Denzel Ward is hurt. So he's always in the starting lineup on the outside, and he's done a, a, a damn good job for a guy uh, at his pay level. Um, so I would like to bring him back. Just dependability. He knows the defense. You know, I think uh, Woods likes him a lot. Uh, so I think he'll bring him back. Olivier Vernon, 
I would have tried to bring back as an edge and maybe, you know, try to get him on a lower deal, but he hurt himself in the end, at the end of the season badly. And I don't know what's going to come of that. And he's over 30. So I think they move on from that. So to kind of break that all down, I think Higgins is your priority, but I don't think that'll cost too much. Maybe, you know, three to $5 million a year for a couple of years. And then, you know, BJ Goodson, I think maybe a little bit more than that, like four to six range. And I, and I don't know if they'll let him test the market or not to be seen, but I don't think they're really going to stress on hanging on to any of these guys, to be honest. I think you'll see a lot of new faces on the defensive side of the ball. And if Higgins goes, I mean, I think they'll invest in a speedier option at that spot. I love Rashard Higgins, so I'm a little biased. And I think he's, He's slow, like he shows up slow, like it's four six four. But the guy just has a knack for getting open, and it was absolutely huge for the Browns this year. So, I would love to see him bring him back, and I know he wants to come back. So, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think. Sorry, Jim, but yeah, just talking that. Yeah, I mean, oh, Bill. From what we saw of Higgins this year, like he was one of my favorite players watching the playoffs. Like you say, he he had like. Well, as soon as I say when Odell Beckham come down, when he was getting more reps, like he was really, really like a nice weapon. For Baker, like just to rely on, like you say, he does have a knack for getting open. He's not like the fastest of guys, but he just gets open and he's got good hands. So, like you say, I think between a three to five million on a multi, maybe like a two year deal, seems perfect. Yep. Like out of these free agency, like that's one name that did stick out to me for you guys to keep. Um, and like you say, Olivier Vernon, like you say, with age and injury, I think a, a good 90% of GMs in their spot would probably. Think, some, think somewhere else, even it, whether it be draft, maybe it be a cheaper guy in free agency, maybe something yeah. along those lines. Um, but yeah, Terrence Mitchell, if you could bring maybe Terrence Mitchell and also maybe one of the linebackers out of Smith or Goodson and then Higgins, I think that's not a bad round off. Like you said, there is going to be a lot of new faces, especially defensively. So that I think is very much good going for you. If you can maybe retain three, two or three of them guys, I think you'd be like you pointed out, you'd be quite happy with maybe just a few of them coming back and then going through to the draft and picking up some younger players. So, and then you, as you kind of, you're absolutely right. You nailed the guys that, that you would want to keep for sure, Midge. And then, uh, and, and that's exactly what I wrote it up as, I think is like a two year deal between, you know, like two years, maybe 6 million uh, with incentives to let him get to eight if he has like, you know, a huge couple years, right, for for uh, Higgins. I think that would be enough maybe to bring him back because he wants to come back. Him and Baker are really close. Baker just has – and him have just have had this connection since day one where they just always find each other. Like they just can like read each other's minds. It's crazy. But uh, – and, and you can't find that, right? Like you can't teach that. If you have that, you want to hold on to that. Uh, a couple other guys at the bottom of the screen – so restricted free agents, et cetera, stuff like that, right? Uh, Porter Gustin is a guy you definitely want to bring back at edge. Uh, showed a lot of promise. Um, and he's, I think he's a restricted free agent there. Tavier Thomas is a special teams guy that they'll hang on to, I'm sure. Uh, but other than that, I don't think see anybody that, I mean, Steven Carlson will probably stick around because they have a million tight ends. Uh in this offense and he's he's a, he's just another guy that could fill in if somebody got dinged but they're like four or five deep at the tight end position yeah that massively 
Awesome. So moving on. So what we'll do, we'll go straight into, we'll go into free agency market, see who's around like, and then we'll go sort of the draft on, on improvements you can get by either free agency or draft. So we've looked through a few of the free agents and I mean, what, what open, do you feel what, your, your main needs are this, this yeah. year, you know, to, to address? So number one, right. First need, I think they need to address and it, and it comes from the Super Bowl, right? Is it's like the Super Bowl once again emphasized it, and it already was my biggest concern, but the Super Bowl really emphasized it as well again. And that's the edge opposite of Miles Garrett. Like you gotta be home, gotta be able to get home with four in the NFL. And and the Tampa Bay Bucks showed us that, no question. And the Browns have the, the guy on the one side and he's on a huge deal. So for me, it makes a lot of sense to address this maybe with your first pick in the draft. Just so like, you know, the Browns has got that analytics front office. If you look at, of course, they could spend on a guy, but I think it makes more sense to have if you can get a stud there. There's a couple guys I like that could be there at 26 that you could put opposite him. So now you got a guy that's getting paid huge on one side and another stud on the other side who's on a rookie deal. I think that makes a lot of sense when you're talking about allocating funds. You know what I mean? Same thing with Denzel Ward, right? Like you're going to give him a big extension as long as he can stay healthy this year. And, and then you probably want to go with like another guy on a rookie contract, potentially a really good player on the other side, right? I think where you attack in free agency, I think, would be depth uh, on the defensive line. And more so, I like, uh, I think they should address the slot cornerback position, uh, or nickel cornerback position on the, on the free agency market. So I'll give you guys a couple of names I just wrote up uh, that I really like uh, that play that nickel corner that I think they might spend on. Uh, so certainly I like Mike Hilton. Uh, as uh, from the Steelers, I, I really like um, Brian Poole is another guy that I wrote up. And the other guy was Troy Hill and Troy Hill's versatile. He can go inside and outside, which makes him a little more valuable. But all th all three of those guys in that probably going to cost you somewhere between four and six million dollars a year. That nickel corner position isn't too expensive. So that's kind of why I think you can attack there and get a good player and on the open market better than Kevin Johnson, who you see on the list there, who I think they let walk was not very good this year. No. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, that was sort of a slot we were sort of looking at as well. Like you're going for everything. Obviously we've had Brian Paul play for us in Atlanta. Like we like the guy, like he's not a bad inside guy. I think the main one, if it'd be an absolute win, if you could get him is Troy Hill, because Troy Hill has been yes. absolutely great for that Rams defense. That'd be an absolute killer signing i think if you could get him on a on a decent deal like you said that nickelback position market seems around that sort of four to six mil price range and this one of them things as well having too many corners is never a bad thing especially like you say you got denzel ward going down with a few knocks same on the other side so that'd be a great for me that'd be a great pickup for you i don't know about who you've looked at jimbo i think you'd lean more to brian paul just because yeah he was one of your favorites in atlanta when when we had him at the time but yeah, he really was. I, you know, I, I really rate Brian Paul. He, and he's he's had a he's had a fair season this year, and he 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 was brilliant with 
because I was, you know, upset we let him go. But he would be a sort of an ideal guy. Like you say, I think Troy Hill's probably the best shout, but I'm not sure the Rams are going to let him go, really. Yeah, we'll see how yeah, we go on it, that. I think I did. Sorry, Brad. Yeah, I think ideally that the Rams would love to keep him. I'm not, we haven't looked at their cap too much yet, but I'm pretty sure they'd like to keep him. But yeah, like I say, I think he'd be a great signing if you could get, if you could get hold of him. So, yeah, so the cap situation is so weird, right? Because you're, you're going down uh, $20 million, you know, to 180, and 12 teams will already be over the cap with who they have on the books at that point. So that creates a lot of problematic issues. I mean, teams like the Rams are on that list. There are going to be some cap casualties there. And I think, guys, it'll be interesting. You tell me what you think, but you know the, how the open market plays out is going to be weird too, because there's not, just, there's just not going to be enough money to pay all these guys. So, like, I think your top tier guys, like, if we look at the wide receiver market, right? Like, so I took a look at this already. If you want to do that, uh, all right. So your top guys in the wide receiver market are your is your Allen Robinson, and who's the other guy? Oh, come on. Well, you got um, Godwin's going to want to get paid this year as Godwin. well. Godwin, Godwin, yep. Uh, Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin are both going to command like twenty million dollars a year, right? That's where the top of the wide receiver market is right now. Mm. Now, all these other guys, like the mid-tier guys, who knows where they end up? Like, I think a lot of the middle guys. I think teams will pay the top-tier players what they normally got paid. But I think that the guys that'll get probably skimped on a little are like your middle tier guys, right? I think they might get pushed down in the market a little bit on how much they make this offseason due to the cap. It's just it just doesn't make sense. Like if you added up all the money that all the teams would have on the books right now, plus free agents, plus what you're going to have to pay to sign your rookies, it's more than the cap altogether for 32 teams is right now. So somebody's going to lose some money somewhere. Yeah, we've, we've been looking, you know, and our, we've got a bad situation at Falcons. You know, we're really struggling cap-wise. It's going to be a lot of sort of restructuring deals and stuff. And I think that's going to be, you know, league-wide. Yeah. Um, so like you say, this is such a, a deep wide receiver class that there is going to be some cheap guys that, that come out of it. And like you say, the middling guys. So my favourite guy, numbers. guys, while we're on wide receiver, mm. I'll address the Browns real quick. My favourite guy for the Browns, right, would be – Where's the, where's the, uh, is that the whole list? Where's my guy from the Panthers? Curtis Samuel, is he on Curtis there? Curtis Samuel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's on there. All right, yeah. so Curtis Samuel is the guy that I want. Um, now, he'll probably cost close to 6 to $8 million a year in free agency is kind of where where his market looks to be heading. But, and, and who knows with the cap, right? But the Browns need speed at the wide receiver position. They need a speed guy there that can take the top off uh their wide receiver room is good with landry and higgins and when obj is healthy he he creates that you know threat to take the top off but what the stuff they run you know the jet sweeps and the play action stuff i just think curtis samuel would be a perfect fit at that four to three speed He's coming off a career year with the Panthers. I mean, they signed uh, Robbie Anderson, thought Samuel was going to maybe get cut or fall into the background, and he had a monster year for them. So I really like him a lot as a potential add. Now, that may be too expensive, you know, depending on what kind of 
extensions they choose to address this offseason. But certainly, that's a guy you can look at. John Ross is another guy that hasn't really worked out, but I would take a flyer on depending on how much he costs just because of his straightaway speed. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, think- I can. Sorry, go you go, 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 go. to kick off. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, you can just imagine that like trio to me, like say, because they line him up everywhere. Carolina used him, they they utilized his speed all the time. We had to watch him twice a year. He was such a pain in the ass. So like he is that good. And if you can imagine Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb and Curtis Samuel, that is just a nightmare for defensive coordinators. Like, I know I wouldn't want to be dealing with that personally. That could be a really nice asset to an already very good offense especially coming like say you can use him in the jet sweeps all that type of thing like he would be an absolute killer asset i think if if you can get him on the market for a good price just to point out so sorry i let you lead him but yeah i had to point that out i think that just sounds scary thinking about it you know <laughs> yeah i mean i was just gonna exactly. add, like, yeah. you know with with your line being the best in the nfl last year as well like that just with all them weapons as well it just adds even more you know you give mayfield time to actually find these guys it's it's yeah. quite a scary offense, really, potentially. It's dangerous. It's his favourite word. He's definitely dangerous for that. So we'll sort of yeah. lead a little bit more to the to the draft, Brad. Yeah, I'm sure you've done some mock drafts and stuff coming up. I mean, we haven't, me and Jermaine, got quite around doing ours yet. But I suppose who, and we'll go more for the first round for you. Who would you like to see Cleveland target and acquire in the first round this year? What, what What's your take on that? So the needs are definitely the defensive side of the ball, right? As I kind of addressed earlier. And I think that, I think there's, once again, before we get off wide receiver, super deep wide receiver draft for the second year in a row. So this draft is super deep. And there's a couple guys in there with that four, three speed that maybe the Browns can look at. Now the Browns have two threes and two fives, I think is what it is, or two fours. Either way, they've got a couple rounds where they have two picks and then they're picking 26th, obviously, which is different for the Browns. Uh, but either way, 26th, I like them to either address linebacker. Now, for some reason, linebacker has fallen in the way of the running back on the offensive side of the ball where guys think they can get away with addressing the a lot of guys in the NFL, GMs, I mean, that linebacker has kind of lost its value. But if you look at like guys like Kevin White and, and what the Tampa Bay Bucks did once again, I think it kind of reemphasizes a need to address that. The Browns have a bunch of guys that can do one thing at linebacker, right? So they've got like uh, Taki Taki who can play the run and Malcolm Smith who could play the pass. And, the, you know, so like you've got to have somebody that can do it all in the middle and then maybe you put, like, I like Jacob Phillips, the guy they took last year a lot. He's really fast. He was kind of ding during the year. I think he has some promise. Mac Wilson, who knows at this point, but he's certainly athletic. Um, so those are some guys that can run that you could put around. But I really think you got to get a centerpiece linebacker at some point, whether it's in free agency or the draft. But I don't think this analytics front office values the linebacker position at all, really. So that's tough. I've seen Zaven Collins mocked a ton to the Browns at 26. I like him a lot. Couple guys that I think are a better fit are like Joe Woods likes to play a lot of like hybrid guys in that area. So he likes that Viper safety slash linebacker guy. Now, 
they'll have Delpit coming back who got injured in training camp at safety, which will help a ton. Right. And uh, I think they found something in, in their safety room uh, at towards the end of the year. But I think um, as I did some research, Jabril Cox, and I know Owosu Koromoa is probably going to be off the board at that point, but both of those guys played over a hundred snaps in the slot corner position at from linebacker. So you're talking about guys that can cover and that are versatile there. I think Jabril Cox is more likely to be there at 26, but I like him a lot too. Uh, so I like those guys for their versatility. I think they match what the Browns want to do. Zayvon Collins is another linebacker I mentioned. When you swing and look at the edge, it's weird because, you know, Rousseau or however you say his name, he opted out, right? So he didn't play. So it's going to be weird for guys like that. Their pro days are going to be really important, especially with no combine or not the traditional combine. Their their pro days are going to be huge because they haven't they don't have tape for 2020, right? So everybody's going off their 2019 tape. What have they been doing? They got to show they're in shape. I think Rousseau's a stud. He may be gone. Obviously, you know, Quiddy pays the best edge on the board. He won't be there. But a guy I really like and a name that I'm hoping would fall to them would be Joseph Asai from Texas. Love that guy. Love him. And, and I think he would be an absolute beast opposite Miles Garrett. And I think you solve your your long-term problem opposite Miles Garrett, maybe at pick 26. That's how I would use it if the right guy is there. Of course, the right guy needs to be there. But ideally, in a perfect world, I think that uh, one of those edges, you know, Rousseau or, or Asai, I think is a guy that I would want at 26. Yeah, I've seen Asai pop up in a lot of mock drafts for you guys that I've been looking at. Like he seems to be, he could be a nice fit. Maybe if a team likes him that much, but he should be in your range. I think around 20 to the late first round is what he's projected to go. But I do yeah. like him out there coming out of Texas. Um, yeah, definitely could be an option so there. Fast. So yeah, yeah, yeah Great definitely, athlete. definitely, definitely. So like you say, with everything with the combine, it's gonna. They're gonna have to. All these guys are opted out. Someone like Rousseau, you know, a few others in there as well. They're gonna have to, like you say, prove they are in shape, which is gonna be yeah. like. It, it sounds. It, people might think, oh, that sounds easier said than done because it is really like you know you got to think of the logistics of all of this now. You know, with COVID nineteen hindering pretty much everything, it is still yeah. difficult right now. So, like you say, it's gonna be interesting because you might see a couple of guys fall. Like you say, I don't think Rousseau would maybe drop to twenty six, but. He no, could drop maybe, no. I mean, he was projected to be, what, top five, top ten pick, you know, really before he opted out. So it's sort of a case of where, see how he, see how it goes. And he could, he might fall in your lap, but, you know, yeah. chances are. But yeah, definitely going for that. So sort of to cap it off, Brad, we'll, uh, it is really, really, really early. Obviously, we've got, this is like the third day after the Super Bowl recording this. Obviously, it's really, really early. Uh, but with what you'd like to see Cleveland do in free agency in the draft and everything else sort of moving forward into 2021, if you could give a way, way, way too early prediction on uh, the yeah. record next year, it is way, way early. I get that. I mean, we've done a couple of things with guys already and we're like, yeah, it's it's pretty early. But we thought we'd ask the question. I mean, what, how would you like to see it if you had to give a way, way too early prediction? What would you what would you like to see? Hey. 
Hey man, I'm always looking, looking way down the line. So, uh, I, I mean, I, you can put together who everybody plays this year now, right? Cause of where they finished and how they play the, you know, the other division, whoever finished at that level. So I had it written down. I don't have it here in front of me now, but I had the the Browns, all the teams they play. And a lot of people are like, oh, Hey, you know, they, they didn't play a very tough schedule because they had the NFC East on there. Right. Uh, and of course that's not going to happen again, but I went through it. And I mean, honestly, I think that if they improve the defense, like we think they just improve it a little bit. I mean, they, you know, I don't expect them to make huge leaps and bounds this year, but they need to be better and they need to have a better pass rush. And if they can do that um, and then, you know, make a little few tweaks in there, maybe Delpit comes back healthy and, and you look a lot better on the back end. I think that uh, I, I mean, I think I saw best case scenario, probably like 12 wins on, on there, but like, I see them going 10 to 12 wins again. You know, I think they will be in the playoffs or the playoff hunt again down the stretch. And I think they'll play for the, the uh, top of the AFC North. I mean, <clears throat> at this point, I think they've kind of proven that, that it's them, the Ravens and the Steelers. I'm glad big Ben is coming back for another year. To be honest, I want another two more shots at him. You know, he dominated us for like 17 years. He finally beat him. He decides to come back for another year. Fantastic. I'm all for it. Come on, bring it on. Let's get him two more times, right? Uh, yeah, so I'm all for that. And, uh, yeah, the Ravens, of course, uh, are always going to be good. But, I mean, the Browns showed they can play with them blow for blow uh, in that in that classic uh, Monday nighter that went down to the wire. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'll be tight uh, again in the AFC North, but I think the Browns get in the playoffs and I think they challenge to try to win it. Uh, I think they're better off than the Steelers are right now. I don't know about the Ravens. I think that's pretty close. So, No, definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, but even with that tough division, like I say, you guys have proven you can beat the Steelers. You can beat them. You know, you can go toe to toe with the Ravens. Like it can be done. And I think, yeah, you're not going to be that team that's sort of afraid anymore. Like you said, it's more or less you three. Obviously, the Bengals are sort of working things out, depending how Joe Burrow comes back from the uh, from the knee injury. But yeah, like you, you sort of look at that and you think, yeah, you know, Cleveland aren't scared anymore. They're one of the big boys, you know, for the first time in a while, you know. So this is yeah definitely a, a moving point for them. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Jimbo. How do you think that they could get on best case, worst case scenario for them? Yeah, so I, I think it's it's sort of a, a ready-made team in terms of the line and everything. I, I think, you know, you're just going to try and add a few positions here, but I think you've got a lot of the pieces already for, you know, a ready-made playoff team, really. Um, I'm expecting at least 10 wins, really. I think you've got that playoff win last last year. That'll, that'll help going into this season. I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to go 10 and 6 as a sort of a, you know, a bold guess. And I think that's where you're heading. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Not knowing what's going to become of a lot of these teams, that's pretty fair, I think. Um, I, I think they could do better uh, than that, potentially, but I think 10 and 6 is kind of, you know, where you're shooting for, right? So, um, yeah. yeah. Definitely so. I, I think it's, yeah. you know, it's going to be a it's going to be a strange off-season, really, with all these... A lot of teams are going to struggle to, with their cap, and 
I, th- I think you're in a strong position when you compare yes. your position to a lot of other teams, you know? So... No question. I would, I would, I would imagine you'd be disappointed if you didn't make the playoffs next year. I know that's quite a bold statement, but... No, you're absolutely right. We uh, At this point, you expect to make the playoffs, right? So you, you expect to... Yeah. Take us, you know, you made it this far. You expect to take another step, right? That's what you want to do. Um, because the the window before you start, you know, Mayfield's contract money hits in 2023, 20, if you give him the fifth year option, right? So the new money hits in 2023. So you really got like a two year window before you really start after paying these guys, and you want to take advantage of that. And this is one of those years, right? You want to hit, you know, when your deals in free agency, put together the best roster you can and take a shot at it. I think that's legit. Definitely so, yeah. You're definitely in that window and we can definitely, uh, yeah, agree with you on that one. So, guys, we'll cap it off there. Uh, Brad, once again, thank you very much for joining us. I say this is the first time we're doing guests and such and you know we're all you know getting to learn everything but it's great uh interacting with everyone and getting everyone's views on on their teams obviously who you'll cover but yeah really really appreciate you uh, joining us today thank you very much it was my pleasure guys i had a blast thank you for having me good good no problem at all thank you again guys for listening i'll say keep an eye out on our socials for more content and we will have more episodes coming up so keep an eye out for our series on off-season talk Stay safe, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Take care.